So we are in, uh, we're going to be in Mark, the book of Mark this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can open to that. We're going to be starting in Mark chapter 10. So uh, this is the time, as I said, the triumphal entry that happened 2,000 years ago is when Jesus was entering into Jerusalem. And he, the crowds were gathered and they were lifting him high. And this was his moment. This was the big moment we've been waiting for. Because if you read through the Gospels, Jesus is telling people again and again, hey, don't, don't talk about me. <laughs> he does all these miracles and he says, you know what, don't keep this to yourselves. And crowds gather before and they've tried to lift him up as king and he's, he slips right out of the crowd. Slips right by him, and all of a sudden they can't find him. And now this is the moment when his hour has come. This is the moment when he finally says it's time. It's time to declare to everyone who I really am. What a time of joy. What a time of celebration. You can imagine this parade going through Jerusalem, people shouting, people singing. We live a good celebration, don't we? Man, I love a good party. We find any excuse to celebrate, too, don't we? We like, like the celebration of a wedding, right? You watch some of those Hollywood movies, right? And the guy and the girl, and are they or aren't they? And we know it's Hollywood. We know they're going to. But still, after you get to the end of two hours, and you've seen them fight for their relationship, and then you see the wedding. Well, isn't that beautiful? And in fact, it means more when you see that celebration because you've been sitting through it for a while. You've been on this journey with them. That's true of our sports teams, right? We love when they win the title and that parade through the city streets. That's exciting. But it means a whole lot more if you've been watching for them and rooting for them for the entire of the comeback season. You know, it's easy to jump on a bandwagon when the trophy's in hand, right? <laughs> it's a whole lot harder to have faith, root for that team, but when the outcome's unknown. We, that's why we like worship services, too. One of the reasons, right? We come together as God's people, and most of us in here are followers of Jesus Christ, and we come together week after week to lift him high, to celebrate, to affirm our faith. That's a good thing. That's why God directs, one of the reasons God directs us to gather as his people, so that our faith might be affirmed and celebrate him. But you know, it means so much more that we've walked out that faith for the last six days. It means so much more, because we've had a journey since last Sunday, Amen. You've had a journey that you've walked through, and there's been up and downs, and there's been doubts, and there's been trials, and there's been joys, and you've hopefully walked through with faith because he's been there, right? So, uh, so sometimes the celebration isn't what matters most. Sometimes you've got to take a look back, and that's what we're going to do this morning. We're not going to start the triumphal entry. We're going to start just a little bit before that in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 46. This is a few hours before the triumphal entry, to be specific, about 12 miles before the triumphal entry, in the town of Jericho, in the city of Jericho. And it says, and they came to Jericho. Who's that? Jesus and his disciples, we'll see. And, and as he was leaving, as Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd. See, the crowd's already gathered. The parade's already started. The party's here. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. He's sitting by the roadside in a gate of the city, right? It says Jesus is leaving the city. So he's, he's somewhere around the city gate. And do you know, city gates back then were places of life. They were places of hustle, places of bustle, places of community. There's people, people would meet in the city gates to do business. They would haggle over prices. They would make agreements. People would meet in the city gates to say hellos and goodbyes. They would meet in the city gates to, um, 
to do some other stuff, which I can't remember right now. No, they, uh, they, they would mean the city gates to share gossip and news and, and all sorts of things. The city gates were a place of life. They were a place of noise, a place of bustle. Do we have places like that in our lives? We have city gates in our lives all over the place, don't we? We have city gates at Walmart when we walk in the doors of Walmart. We have city gates at Starbucks when we go to meet somebody there. We have city gates out in the church lobby. We have, we have city gates right here. Most of us have one of these. Is this a city gate where he has news and gossip and entertainment and life and community and interaction and business happens? We've got city gates all over the place. What does life look like at the city gates? That's the question I want to ask this morning. It feels good when you're in the, in the bustle, right? Because you're, you're in the bustle, and you're, you're a mover, and you're shaking, and you're getting stuff done, and you're in the activity, and you're going with the flow, and it's, and it's great. The errands are getting done, and you, everything that happens, you've got an app for that. There's, there's so much going on, and when you are making motion, making progress, you're in the crowd. You can just open your phone, or you can get to one of these places of community, and you feel like you're in it, right? Man, that feels great. There's some days that feel like that, and then there's some days that maybe don't. There's some days that maybe we feel more like the beggar, right? Because look at him. He's not in the roadside. He's by the roadside because there's no place for him in the roadside. Yeah, so he, he can't see, so he can't earn any income. He's blind. He has no choice, no way to get anything he needs. He doesn't belong in the road, right, in the hustle and the bustle. And so imagine this. He's blind, and he's sitting there day after day. He comes there because of his need. He comes there, and he lays out a cloak because he can't work for a living. He's just hoping every day that there is somebody with some kind of generous heart who can throw something his way. And that's what they do. They throw stuff his way. He spreads out a cloak because they don't, a lot of them don't carry cups back then. If they carried cups, somebody would have to come close to drop it in. You know, you don't come close to somebody who you think has been cursed by God with blindness. So nobody comes close. They just stay away, but they can toss it onto the cloak. And by the way, they don't stop either. So as they're walking by, they can just toss it there because nobody ever stops for him. You ever feel like this in the city gate? <laughs> you hear the noise all around you. Imagine this. He's blind every day. He hears the gossip. Here's the news. Here's the business. Here's the life. Here's the hellos. Here's the goodbyes. And he's not part of any of it. You ever feel like you're by the roadside? There's this hustle and there's this bustle and there's people that seem to get stuff done. There's people who are going and they're cruising fine and you just feel like outside of it and all of this noise and all of this act activity is just so overwhelming and it's isolating. There's times when we're in the crowd and then there's the times we're on the roadside and what does faith look like that? Let's find out. What does, what does faith look like then? We can see it in Bartimaeus. This is what he it says, when he heard that, Jesus, that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. See, he hears this finally from the crowd. He hears Jesus of Nazareth is coming. Jesus is, of Nazareth is on the way. Jesus of Nazareth is almost here but you know what? He has faith in something more. He knows that it's not just Jesus of Nazareth. Look what, he, what he, look what he cries out. He calls him Jesus, son of David. That's a title for the Messiah. That's a title for a king. He knows Jesus isn't just some prophet from a backwater town. He's a person of power. 
the scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and the blind man is heard, right? The blind man has heard who Jesus is, and this is what he's heard. He's, he's the one whose the Spirit of the Lord is upon him. That's what Jesus said about himself. The one the Lord anointed to proclaim good news to the poor. That's who Jesus was. He's heard about it. He's heard that Jesus is sent, sent to proclaim liberty to the captives. And, it, and then this. He's heard that Jesus is sent to proclaim recovery of sight to the blind. And he says, that's me. That's what I need. It's the only one I've ever heard this about. I am his mission. And so he cries out. Listen, do you have faith in who Jesus is? There's a whole lot of voices around us telling us who Jesus is, right? Jesus of Nazareth, good teacher, loving teacher. Are you listening to the voices that the culture tells who Jesus is? Listen, the culture can't tell you who Jesus is. Because they don't know the truth. History Channel can't tell you what Je who Jesus is. Jesus can tell you who Jesus is, right? Are you listening? Do you have an ear out? Above all the other voices, do you have an ear out for what the God of all creation says about himself? For what Jesus, the Messiah, says that he is God in the flesh. Come down to meet our needs. To have relationship with us. Do you hear? Do you hear? And then, when do you hear? Do you respond? That's what the blind man does. He cries out. We need a faith that cries out. We need a faith that cries out. What, you, you go back to the original language in this passage, and it says he cries out. It's, it's not saying that he just cries out once, and then, and then once again. No, the, the, word, the language used tells that he is saying that he's crying out continuously, and continuously again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again. Because remember, he's blind. He can't see when Jesus turns around. He can't see if he's getting a reaction. All he knows is this is the only guy who can get him out of this, who can do anything for him. And so his only chance is to yell louder than the crowd and keep on doing it so that maybe, maybe he'd get his attention. And so he keeps crying out. Let me, let me ask you, when was the last time we've cried out to God passionately? When we've been this desperate, for something from Jesus. That we are willing to cry out again and again and again and again. Not because, not because he'll hear us because of all our repeating. Jesus says that, right? God doesn't hear us because of our repeating. But we keep crying out because God is the only one who can fix this. He's the only one. My kids are really into this Toby Mac song right now. Um, and, and, and there's this one line at the end of the song. It's almost a throwaway, a throwaway line. It's not even really part of the, the lyrics, but Tommy Max says, ain't no way this thing's going to change. It's you. Do we believe that this morning? There ain't no way this thing is going to change except for God to make a move of power in your life. Do you believe that he will? Are you desperate for it? Because I've got to be honest, sometimes in my prayer life I make a list. I want to make sure I get stuff, and I make a list, and a list is a good thing, right? And then I'm, in the morning, I go, in my, I go to my prayer altar, right? I go before God, and I go down my list, right? And then I put away the, the problem, though, becomes when I put away the list, and then I, I only get back to it tomorrow morning or, or next week. Are there things on that list that I need to be crying out to God about? 
Not just throw up a prayer and God's going to do whatever he's going to do, but cry out because he is the only one to take care of this. Are you desperate for Jesus this morning? Let me, let me tell you something. You are. You are. You might not know it. Are you crying out? Are you crying out? Not just once again and again and again. But look at this crowd, right? Aren't they mean? It says, he, he cries out to Jesus. This poor beggar, blind man, cries out to Jesus. And it says, and many rebuked him, telling him, shut up. Like, doesn't that seem cruel? But, but think about this for a minute. Think about being part of that crowd. This is the parade, right, man? This is the trophy parade. This is the celebration. This is the big party. And in the midst of that, this beggar comes from the background saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he just doesn't say it once. He keeps going and going and going and going and going. And like, can I, this is a little annoying. I mean, isn't it? It's a little uncomfortable. Like, this isn't what we're doing right now. Cry out to Jesus some other time. This, we're, we're here to celebrate him. We're crowning a king. We've got big stuff planned. Does that happen to us? <laughs> Isn't need kind of uncomfortable? <laughs> when someone in need crosses your path? One of those days when you're not the person on the roadside, but you're in the crowd, you're a mover, you're a shaker, and then somebody in need comes along, right? That's, man, out for dinner with a wife, and I'm walking down the city street, and there's the guy on the side, and man, it, it, like, why did that ha moment have to happen? We were just having this nice time, and then there's somebody begging for money, right? I remember one time I, I lived down in, uh, well, I worked down in Baltimore, and I was driving out of the city at night. It was a warm night, so I had the window open, and I was on this call, and, and it was a really emotional call. And, and I got to this stop sign right by Baltimore Stadium, and this guy comes up looking, like, looking terrible, shabby clothes and all of that, and he leans in the window, and he smells terrible. And I wish I could say I was scared because he leaned in the window. I wish I could say I was just surprised, but I wasn't. Do you know what I was? I was angry. And my response was to yell at him and say, man, I'm on the phone. Like, really? You're going to lean in the car? And I'm on the phone. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus is going to heal somebody's blindness in just a couple minutes, you know. But first he heals somebody else's blindness, the crowd, right? They have no eyes to see this guy in his need. He's just an interruption. They say, Jesus has big plans. This isn't what we're doing right now. And Jesus, Jesus says, no, it is. Like, then, then something happens that maybe never happened to the blind man before somebody stopped. And Jesus stopped. stopped and said call him i mean this is the moment if jesus is gonna stop this is one of those great teaching moments right this is one of the times i'm waiting for it like that crowd is cruel i'm ready for jesus to turn the crowd and and give him a good old rebuke right bring one of his smackdowns call him whitewashed tombs come on jesus lay into him it's gonna feel good to see that right and he doesn't he doesn't lecture him he doesn't correct him he doesn't shame him. He just says, call him. He says, no, 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 this is what we're doing right now. Like, just participate with me in this. Invite him to me. You know, I'm the only one who can fix stuff for him, and he's right. 
So call him. So listen, I, I don't know what place you entered here this morning in. I don't know if you identify with the beggar on the side of the road. If you're at a place of isolation and a place of overwhelmed and a place of need, a place of a storm that you just don't know when this storm is going to end, and there is nothing and there is nobody, and it seems like nobody stops and nobody cares. Can I be that person today who says, says to you just what the crowd said to Bartimaeus? They said to him, take heart. Get up. He's calling. Just like that, they changed their tune. Oh, this is what we're doing. Okay, take, look, take heart. Get up. He's calling. Listen, if you're in a place of need, this morning, take heart. The only one who can fix your situation has stopped. And he's heard, and he's calling for you. And he is so, so very close. Will you come to him? In a room this big, there's some of us who don't know Jesus Christ. Like, listen, he is the only thing the only one who can fix this, that's what he came for. That's the whole reason he came, was to bring us back to him and give us a life abundant. Will you come? Will you come? And, and some of us this morning, we're not in the place of the beggar, right? We're good, man, we're going. Can I tell you that somebody else is? <laughs> Do we have a faith that would invite others to Jesus? That's the, kind of, that's the kind of faith we need outside of a Sunday morning, right? Faith on a Sunday morning feels good when we gather together and we're all, a lot of us are, are, are like-minded and worshiping him, but, but do we have that faith this week to invite somebody else to get to know him? To speak into somebody else's situation that they think is hopeless and say, like, listen, there's a reason for hope right now, even in this. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know how God is going to work this out, but there's hope. Even in this, take heart. Get up. Come. We need a faith that invites others to him. That invites others to him. And so, what's beautiful to see then is the blind man's response. Uh, whoop, which I skipped. Let me go back. Let me go back. Uh, the blind man, uh, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. I love that. He sprang up. So this guy who was sitting off to the side of the road, looking as miserable as possible, so somebody just might have a little compassion on him, all of a sudden he looks like Tigger and he's bouncing all the way to get to Jesus, right? And he doesn't know the way. The crowd will open up before him. He says, call him. They're going to open up before him to Jesus, but he can't see that way. So he just gets up and takes his best guess. He's stumbling maybe into the crowd, but now instead of pushing him back, they're pushing him on. Hands on the back, pushing him forward. You're almost there. You can get there. You're there. He's stopped. He's waiting for you. Come. And he throws aside his cloak. Maybe there were still some alms on that cloak. Even if there weren't, that was the cloak that kept him warm. That was maybe his only possession. He's a beggar. And he threw that aside because there's nothing more important in this moment than getting to Jesus. Do we have a faith that throws everything else aside? In response to our Savior, in response to King Jesus, will we throw aside anything lesser, throw aside anything else? 
And so he gets up stumbling, and the crowd opens the way, and he comes in the very near presence of the son of David, of the king. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And we've talked about this question a lot because Jesus asked this all over the scriptures to people. Uh, I mean, why would he ask the question? It's kind of obvious, right, what a blind man would want. And yet, is it? Is it obvious? The blind man could have asked for a lot of things. He was sitting on the roadside waiting for money. Maybe he could have asked Jesus for money. Maybe he could have asked him for food. Those would make sense. Those would be a lot easier to give. <laughs> or, or maybe he knew Jesus was a poor itinerant preacher who didn't have a home, so maybe he could ask, hey, Jesus, can you, can you introduce me to some of your followers? Can you just let them know? I hear you guys opened a soup kitchen over in Bethany. Like, can I get the hours and just stop by, and I'd love to connect with them because I know they'll, they'll start to meet my needs. That would have been okay, but he doesn't. Like, we've heard it so many times, we forget that what he asks does not make sense. He says, Jesus, let me recover my sight. Let me recover my sight. He prays a big, huge prayer. And he's going to find out in one second if it's answered or not. He's going to find out. Folks, do we pray big prayers? Do you have a faith this week that will allow you to pray big prayers of our God? Because he's ready to deliver in big ways. He has. I could tell you stories of the past months here at Grace of people in our midst, maybe people still in this room who have been healed and transformed in miraculous lay, ways in their lives. Strongholds have been broken down. I heard of somebody yesterday who cancer was healed completely, miraculously. Stage four cancer was healed. Our God of miracles is still doing miracles. Do you believe that? Do you cry out for it? Do you pray big prayers? Because the blind man could have just asked for a blessing. That's what I find myself doing. Is, Lord, bless me. Lord, bless me. Just bless this day. Just bless my family. Just bless people. Just bless everybody. Bless them. Bless them, God. And I guess that's okay. And he will, by the way. That's who God is. But I'm not going to be able to tell it because all I asked was for a blessing. Well, my next breath is a blessing. So he's blessing me right now, right? How do we know if, he answer, if he's going to answer if we don't pray specific and pray big? And by the way, it doesn't mean he's always going to come through in the way we want him to. We'll get to that in a minute. But do we pray big prayers? Pastor Jim Cimbala, pastor in New York, says, do we have dependence on God's power to make an ongoing difference in our lives and community? Do we believe he will do that? How often do we call upon him to revolutionize us in a supernatural way, to do what only he can do? The blind man didn't ask Jesus to do anything except what only Jesus could do, nobody else. Are you asking God to do only what God can do? More money would be great, but maybe we could just spend it a little wiser and ask God for something bigger than that, right? And yes, that might be a physical healing, but there's more. I mean, do you, do you bring to God, do you ask for reconciliation in that relationship that seemed broke, seems broken and has been for decades? Do you ask him to fix that, or do you think it's too far gone? Do we pray to God for that neighbor or that person in our workplace or that person in our lives who just seems so distant? Oh my goodness, they're a 
They're a lost cause, not to God they're not. Do you pray specifically for them, for God to make a move in their lives and hearts? Do we pray bigger than that? Do we pray for God to stir in us a fire that doesn't die, to take us out of our complacency that we can't take down ourselves, and to, to raise us up to be sons and daughters who go out in faith day after day after day and walk this walk so that the world might see and glorify God? Do we pray stuff like that? Do we pray for him to lead us to one person every single day that we can tell about him? Just one. We're going to find out real quick if that's answered or not, and guess what? I bet he will answer that if we have eyes to see it. (laughs) Do we pray those prayers? And there's more than that. Do we pray big prayers? I'm talking bigger than that. We sang it this morning. We sang it this morning. God, (laughs) we sang something this morning. Hang on. Um, Do we pray (laughs) that his kingdom would come? That his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do we pray that for real? That his kingdom would come, that his will would be done in York County as it is in heaven. You know, York County is one of the addiction capitals of America. I was talking to somebody this week, and he said, yeah, there's an unusual number of people who are always drunk or high in York County, right? Do we pray for God to break down that because he can? Are we crying out to him for that? That strongholds of addiction that have their grip over York County would be broken. That unity and revival would come among God's people in a fresh way that we have never seen before. You know, we have an opportunity for this. Pastor Jeff let you know earlier that we're not, we're not going to do our corporate prayer and worship night that was scheduled for the 26th. We're not. We're pointing you all to come May 2nd. Come gather together as his one church May 2nd. But you know what you can do on the 26th? You can go to your prayer altar. You can cry out to God on behalf of that movement on behalf of this region in specific and huge ways for God to move because there ain't no way this thing's going to change except for him. And so we come to the best part of the story, right? For us, and the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. It's neat, because Jesus gives him an option of which way to go. He heals his blindness, and now he can go get a job. Now he can go in his keep. Now he can go back to family if he has some. If he doesn't have family now, he can go wash up and go find some family, right? Go get together with somebody for dinner. Now he could. Now community is open to him. Jesus says, go your way. And it says he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. There was no other way. After Jesus transformed his life, transformed him, there was no other way to go. Folks, do we have a faith that leaves us with no other way to go? No other way to go but his way. So when we leave this place, there is one way to go, and it's to follow his leading day by day and moment by moment in our lives. Do we follow him on the way? Because sometimes, sometimes then we see the payoff, right? Sometimes then we get to the, Then we get to the parade. Then we get to the streamers and the confetti. You skip down a few verses in Mark, and the crowd's still there, and I bet this blind man is part of it now. I bet Bartimaeus is part of it now, and it says, and they brought the colt to Jesus, and they threw cloaks on it, and he sat on it. 
sat on it like a king because that's what donkeys rode back in those days. And, and many spread their cloaks on the road. Do you see what happened? <laughs> the blind man, Bartimaeus, he threw, threw his cloak aside to get to King Jesus, and now everybody's doing it. <laughs> now everybody's taking their cloaks and throwing them down to honor the king. And not just that, but then those who went before and those who went followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And Leah told us earlier what this, this word Hosanna means. Save us. We hear Hosanna and we think, praise the Lord, right? That's what it means, right? No, it means save us. The Hebrew word yasha means save. The Hebrew word na means now. Yashana, Hosanna, save now, save now, save us now. And now the blind man cried out with one voice, right, son of David, have mercy on me. And now there's a whole huge crowd of people doing it. Because you know it's contagious when we do it. Do you know that when we admit our need, when we let our need be exposed and then then point to the only one who can fix it. It's contagious for everybody else. And all of a sudden, you've got a crowd of people shouting, praise the Lord, save us now. That's a big, big prayer. They took up the cry. He's the only one who can save them because he's the coming king. That's what they're praising him for. And they think it's finally happened. Jesus says now is the time, and they think they know what time it is. They think it's the time for him to enter Jerusalem and be crowned as ruler of all. And they think that the occupation of Rome is going to be overthrown. And they think the oppression is going to be done with. And finally, Israel will be on the rise because the long-awaited king is on his throne. And then it doesn't happen. They pray this huge prayer, the people of God crying out to God for him to move in a mighty way, and it doesn't happen. What do we do then? Because sometimes these days the cancer isn't cured. Sometimes we cry out for big things, and it, it's been days, and it's been weeks, and it's been months, and we've been praying for regional stuff for years. We're just on the edge of a maybe beginning of a new season. What happens when God doesn't answer the prayer? Or, or does he? <laughs> or does he? Because he sees things a little bit differently than we do. That crowd must have been confused in, later in the week when Jesus wasn't crowned king but was instead lifted up on a cross, bloody and broken beside two criminals, and then he dies. God didn't come through, or, or did he? Author Jeff Cook insists that on Good Friday, God reclaimed his world by enthroning his son, by crowning Jesus king. See, it started like this. There was a military escort brought, that brought Jesus before the people, and the crowd shouted for him to take his throne. Soldiers crowned him, and then kneeled before him and cried out, Hail, King. And then the Romans presented him to all and said, Behold, here is your King. 
And then the reigning empire, they had soldiers march the crowned king through the streets as crowds gathered to watch the second big parade that happened that week. And the crowd cheered as the robed man ascended his throne. Those who lifted him up placed a sign above his head, and on that sign it said, Jesus of Nazareth, but it didn't just say that. It said, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And then the newly crowned king gave his first royal decree, his first proclamation. He looked out at his killers, he looked out at his family, he looked out at his friends, he looked out at his father's broken world, and he said, Father, forgive them all. They don't know what they're doing. Amnesty. It's a royal proclamation of forgiveness. It's a royal pardon. It's salvation. See, sometimes the big prayers that we pray don't seem, they seem to go unanswered, but but God answers in ways that are even bigger than we thought. Hebrews says that when we have that those who would draw near to God must believe he exists, but not only that, but they must believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Do you know that we have a when we have a faith in God, we have a faith that he rewards us because he does. That faith will not go unanswered. And so even when it doesn't look like it, so the crowd cried, Hosanna. The crowd cried, save us. And they thought they were asking for saving from a tyrannical government. And you know what God responds? He says, yep, okay, it's done. It's finished. You are saved from an eternity apart from me. And the answer is far bigger than they would ever expect. So what does your faith look like today? We're about to leave this place and go into all our city gates. What does your faith look like in the city gates? Do you have a faith that is desperate for Jesus and will cry out to him because he is the only one who can fix this? There are others who will come up here and we'd love to cry out on behalf of you, cry out together for him to make a change in your life, whether this is the first time you've cried out to him or the thousandth. Do we have a faith that doesn't just cry out to him, but that invites others to him this week? We put some tools in your hands, guys. Say, take some cards on the way out. Pray for an opportunity to just hand one away. To just invite somebody. Not in an annoying way, not in an unloving way. Just to say like, gosh, do you want to hear something that's changed my life? Come here. Do we have a faith that asks big things of our God? It doesn't just pray once and God will do whatever he does, but that prays again and again and again for him to make a move in our lives and in this region that we have never seen before. This is our king. This is our king. Do you believe that? Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word that opens in us so many places in our hearts, ways that we are broken and bruised and do not know how to fix ourselves, un unable to fix ourselves. We're desperate and often we just don't even know what we need. And yet, Lord, you stop and you call and you tell us to come. I thank you that you are near to every one of us that all we have to do at any moment is turn and you're right there 
ready to answer, ready to receive us. Lord Jesus, as we look ahead to this week, I thank you that you were crowned in a way that we never expected. That the prayers were bigger than even the askers knew what they were asking, but that you answered in a way we cannot believe. Lord, astound us again this week with your greatness, with your mercy, with your grace. Lord Jesus, you are our King. You are Lord of heaven and earth. Lord, be our Savior. We will praise you for it.